Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. like all family here um for those who you all know i'm Gigi, and i am the worship pastor of the resting place um been here since for those who don't know been here since we planted since the beginning and um it's just a great place to be it's one that i love um our expression of worship in this house it's very free um there's there's always been, even when I came here, I remember having conversations with Caleb of just like, just be you, you know what I mean? And there's nothing worse than being a worship leader and them telling you, do this, don't do that, go for this long, not that long, do th-. like just kind of a lot of, a lot of borders and all of that. It can be really frustrating and it can be really hard and you want to honor, but at the same time, you're, you're natural, just it's our, our DNA is just to worship and we want to just be free. So to be in a house that allows us to do that is so cool. And I'm super blessed to be here. Um, but yeah, um, I have a husband, Jimmy, he's back there and Hey, (laughs) and I have, um, two daughters and I have a stepson in Michigan and we've, um, just a little bit about myself. We've lived in Michigan or we've moved here from Michigan, uh, 11 years ago. And, um, been kind of leading, been leading, wor- been a part of worship my whole life. My parents um, have always been in, in worship. My dad led worship at our really small Spanish church in Michigan, in Bay City, Michigan, a little Assemblies of God church. Um, and I just remember growing up and just being, always being a part. My parents got saved when my mom was pregnant with me. So my mom got baptized when she was pregnant with me. So like, I didn't really get to, I didn't, was, I didn't experience any of like the worldly stuff or their partying days and all that. My brother, my sister did, but I didn't, thank God. So, um, I just knew church and I just knew worship and my dad basically lived at the church and, you know, they were just very excited, just new believers. And, um, you know, I've always, I sang, I was part of the worship team. I played drums when I was really little and, um, I wouldn't know how to do that now. So don't ask, but, um, it was just, I had a great I had a great upbringing. I'm one of the, I feel like one of the few that got to grow up in a strong, like just in a, a faith filled home, spirit filled. Um, you know, my parents are together, they love each other. And, um, I had every opportunity to do anything that had to do with church or anything that would feed my spirit or anything that there was a camp or maybe my parents sent me to everything willingly. And I loved it. So like, I did. I had, I was, I'm super thankful for the foundation of, you know, just being brought up um, with just this nearness to the Lord that I know not many get to experience. And so I believe that a lot of that has kind of brought me, has brought me to where I am today. Um, Kind of fast forwarding. um, Yeah, just like really fast forward. Jimmy and I have been part of churches together in worship. You know, he plays the drums and um, I think since we're gonna be talking about apostolic worship and probably be touching on a little bit of prophetic worship and stuff too, but I remember I have a lot of people that always ask me like, when did you start like singing prophetically? Like when, how did that happen? And how, like, how did you start doing that? What did that look like for you? Did you learn, you know, did you whatever? And I actually, the, f- the first time that I remember 
really having an opportunity to kind of tap into that was at a, at a church we lived at in Holland, Michigan. And it was, it wasn't the healthiest space or whatever. <laughs> Jimmy's laughing. I, it wasn't the healthiest space, but I will say that it is absolutely the place where I learned to grow in the prophetic and hearing with, like, we did a lot of active, this was, I mean, probably like, what, 12 years ago, maybe, um, or even longer than that, maybe 12 or 13 years ago, and um, that we were doing a lot of activations and stuff like that of just hearing the Lord, and we would have worship nights, and nobody had, you know, I know prophetic worship was a thing, but it wasn't really a thing then, you know, like it wasn't something that was too popular in the churches. So it was cool to be in a space that we were kind of flowing with that. And so, but it got to a place to where it was so like, um, it was nerve wracking because our pastors, God bless them at the time. They were, you know, they were, I think they were coming into their own as well in regards to the prophetic and teaching it. And so it got a little bit controlling things like that. But, um, I found myself getting to a place of striving, even in those worship nights, like where you kind of get to it. I don't know, as, as far as like, I don't know if everybody in here is a worship leader, but, um, or if led worship, but you can get to this place as coming from a worship leader standpoint of you want to try to hit it every time and you want to try to catch the song of the Lord every time. And if you don't, like, you get, you know, I would, I remember my pastors sitting in the front row. And we'd have worship nights. And if I wasn't catching the song of the Lord, like I felt like I was just being stared down until I got it. And if it wasn't it, and I feel like they would, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I try to sing something like there was just so much like um, it was horrible. It was so much striving and like, oh, man, it, it I think it could have easily caused me to like hate the prophetic just because of what was happening and the control. But. I embraced it and I still, I loved it and I enjoyed it. And the thing was, I was thankful that I encountered the Lord in those moments because had I not truly encountered the Lord and was just focusing on them entirely, I don't think I probably wouldn't be doing this. But I knew because of my foundation again and knowing that the voice of God is real and knowing that I can hear the Lord, I think it really got me through that season. Um, and so that's kind of how it started with just practicing it. And I had a great team and, you know, we would just worship together and we would catch choruses and kind of do all that stuff. And just, we just had a lot of fun with it. Um, and, um, so I just, I, I'm super thankful for the foundation of that, the time growing up and that time as well, cause that's really kind of brought me to this place. And also in regards to apostolic worship fast forwarding even more we moved here to Florida and when we moved here um we really had no intention of like staying we weren't going to be involved in church because we had kind of left church hurt from the last church and um our plan was to be here just for a couple years and we were going to move back and we're here this is 11 years now we're here so we didn't go back (laughs) and we clearly got involved in church (laughs) it's so like but um when we moved here, I didn't play piano. I just sang. So I learned how to play piano when we moved here. And I remember I played with like two fingers. I started playing like this and then I would add another finger and then, you know, I would add more and more. And then I went through a period where I couldn't play and talk at the same time. So I would stop playing and I would sing or talk and then I'd start playing again. So um, but I also was able to do that at Jimmy's parents church when we moved here it was a very safe place for me to practice and, and do all that. So, but, um, 
as far as the apostolic worship goes and things like that and kind of even tapping more into the prophetic, I got hooked up um, with this guy named Ken Malone. And so he's, um, he's kind of like a, he's like a traveling, I don't know if I would say evangelist, but he just goes and preaches at different churches. If you're aware with this camp, he's like very involved with like Cindy Jacobs and Lou Engel and Dutch Sheets and kind of that whole world. Um, so that's where I came out of before coming to the resting place. But through that, um, before we started the resting place, I did a lot of traveling. So I traveled all over Florida. I traveled to different states and would lead worship for conferences and, um, you know, just either youth meetings or women's meetings. I even did small group stuff. I did home stuff. You know, I was itinerant. I was gone all the time. I was gone every weekend pretty much. And then, um, but during that time, I traveled a lot. And being with these people, I really began to understand my role as an apostolic worship leader. And if you know, just an apostle is one who is sent out. And I believe that apostolic worship is worship that is, that is one that is sent from the apostolic worshiper. It's you're an, an apostle, you're sent out. The worship is just the sound of the sent. So it's just, it's very much a sound that releases. It kind of goes outside of, it's different from your devotional stuff. And it's different from your personal worship with the Lord. It's, it's out there. It's releasing to regions and cities and territories. And this is an apostolic house, clearly, just given our mission, our mission statement for the, the lost to be found, found to be free, for peace to reign in our city. It's definitely an apostolic house. And so um, we, it's, it's, I love it because that's, that's who I am as well. And, um, but anyways, during this time, I was able to really um, tap into governmental intercession and catching things for different cities and regions and stuff like that. And where I had got to a place where I had been to so many different places that I remembered what I could drive into a region and I could see the sign. I could cross the city limit sign or a state line and I could immediately hear the sound of that region. Sometimes I would hear like a heartbeat, you know, just like a boom. Sometimes I would feel like I could, um, hear almost like a like a either like a warring sound or I could hear I even had times where I heard sad melodies I had times where I heard Indian tribal stuff I like there was just something that the Lord had put on me during that time that I could feel like and I would begin to question like God what is this and you can tell me he's like you're hearing the sound of the different the different cities and I had never even really thought about that that each region has its own sound and even from here even our campuses here I believe we carry a specific sound here I believe our Wesley Chapel campus carries a different sound and I believe our South Tampa campus carries a different sound you know what I mean so um every house has a different one I believe that um cities I really believe that they carry a unified sound and I think that's something that the Lord is really um honing in on I feel like in this time of a unified sound over the city, that's going to release it. It's going to break strongholds over the city. And so, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I learned so much. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but I learned so much in regards to my authority in worship and how it's beyond a song, but I can decree and declare things into the atmosphere. I can grab things from heaven and sing those things out and see them manifest. And so, um, but yeah, that's kind of my story in a quick nutshell. Um, but in regards to just worship, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about first, which um, 
is just reminding you of your access first to the presence. Before we do anything, before we go into anything, it's, also, it's always good to remember that you are part of a royal priesthood and that you have full access to the presence of God. Um, I wanted to read uh, 1 Peter 2.9. Peter addresses the church in 1 Peter 2.9, and he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We are his possession. That you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Old covenant required a sacrifice and a spilling of blood to become a priest. Remember, we've, it says here we become a royal priesthood. Old covenant says there was, there was a spilling of blood to become a priest and to be able to approach the presence of God. So like back before, obviously, the old covenant, only the priest could approach the presence of God. You know what I mean? And so you had to, nobody could do it. You had to bring a sacrifice. There was like this whole ritualistic thing that had to happen. Nobody could freely approach. New covenant gives us access to the throne by the blood of Jesus. Thank God causing us to become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. We have full access to the presence. We can worship anytime, anywhere that we want to. We have access because of our royal blood now. And so I just think it's a beautiful reminder, and I feel like this right here smashes the idea of people that feel like they have to have their stuff all together to come to Jesus. I don't know how many times, even as a worship leader, I've had singers and musicians and things like people like that come to me of feeling like I don't feel like I should sing because I had a really hard day and I'm like but we all have hard days like I would be I would not be up there every week if it was if that was the case and so like it's I feel like knowing and understanding our access that we are living sacrifices Jesus is the one who put Jesus's blood is the one that puts, we're feeling like our life's falling apart. Jesus' blood's putting it, he put it back together. He's, his blood is what calls us worthy. His blood, it's not our actions. Thank God. It's not our actions, but it's his blood that gives us full access to the throne to be able to worship. So if you're one that has been, that has dealt with that, or you felt like, man, I'm a mess, or I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't serve in this capacity, or whether it's worship or anything, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't pray for the sick because I'm sick, or I shouldn't do this, or I shouldn't do that, like, that's crazy. You have a royal bloodline, and you have access. His blood puts your life together. His blood calls you worthy. His blood says you can do anything. I remember, like, I remember one time I was in, um, in my prayer closet, in my regular closet, my prayer closet. And I was in there and I was just having a bad day and I was crying. I was on my face and just like feeling like super sorry for myself. And um, I remember Mia, my oldest, she walks in. She was probably like nine at the time and she walks in and she's like, why are you crying? Like, what's the matter? And I was like, I said, I just feel really bad, baby. You know, like I just, I haven't, I feel really bad because I haven't talked to Jesus in a long time and I'm feeling like, you know, just like a bad daughter. You know what I mean? I don't feel like a good Christian right now and I just haven't spent time with Jesus and I just feel really bad that I haven't talked to him. 
And I just remember her looking at me really confused, and she's like, that doesn't make any sense because you talk to him every time you worship. And I was like, oh, that's right. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, you talk to him every time, like, you do it. She's like, even if that's the only time, I'm sure Jesus is okay with that. Like, and I was like, <laughs> you're right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just, and it's, it is a thing. It's, God doesn't mo- a normal person, this is where it's pulling God out of this box of him applying to like our normal rules. A normal person, you don't talk to them for a while. They usually are like texting you like, you're mad at me. You don't like me anymore. You know, whatever. God doesn't work like that. And I think like even pulling ourselves away from that just for a second and just understanding that the Lord, like every time we talk to him, every time we come into his presence, every time we remember that we are a royal priesthood, it's like he celebrates. He's not like, where you been, girl? You know what I mean? Like, he celebrates and he loves us. And I feel like it's just an understanding of the truth of who he is and the truth of his goodness and how faithful he is that he's the best father. And it'll co- the more we understand the truth of who he is and we worship him in spirit and in truth, I don't know, I feel like it just unveils and just removes all this shame off of you and it'll just get rid of all that stuff that causes you to feel like I have to have my life together to worship him. That's a lie of the enemy, that you have to have your life together to worship him. David's case in point, if you've ever read any of the Psalms, that dude was messed up, but he was God's favorite. His heart was God's favorite. And so, I mean... I don't know. We worship in spirit and in truth, knowing the truth of who he is. Our worship should be directly tied to our revelation of who God is. God doesn't just hear our songs. He hears our faith, our faith in who he is. And we can declare these truths over and over and over again of just declaring the goodness of God. If you're having a hard time worshiping, maybe there's just something you're not understanding about the Father. If it takes you, this is kind of bold, but if it takes you a couple songs to get into the presence, you might need to have an understanding of who the Father is. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Because it's even the gatherings together, it's just an overflow. I have people all the time tell me, like, hey, like, why is it until, like, the last song I feel like then I feel the Lord? I'm like, I don't know. The Lord's been here the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, and I believe, and I come back to him, like, I think there's an understanding. There's something, there's a lie that you're believing that you have to have this, 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 that you have to feel like this, this, this in order to, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's so many things in the natural that we put on it, but not understanding that we can freely come to the presence with all our junk if we want, with all whatever. And I think those that come in with the junk have the best praise, like, that lay it down and that are coming in heavy and coming in disappointed and coming, like, I see everybody from up there and like I know a lot of people's stories and the ones that are going through and are worshiping and jumping and stomping and dancing and doing all the things is my favorite because I know, I know, I know, I know that it's all their faith. Their faith is being so stirred up and remembering who God is that they can't help but praise. And sometimes they're praising just because they don't know what else to do. And that's okay. That is okay. Um, we, uh, I was thinking also about the, um, just in regards to the remembering our access, um, I was thinking about the songs of the creatures in Revelation 4, um, 6 through 9, and um, 
I'm going to read it because it's really cool. If you've ever been a part of any house of prayer, you've probably heard this like a billion times. But I'm going to read it real quick. This is the song of the creatures around the throne, and it just gives the description of kind of everything that is going on, and it's just so beautiful. Um, But I'm going to start from verse 6. And in front of the throne, there was a pavement, like a crystal sea of glass. uh, This is not my Bible, sorry. I I had to grab Kayla's because I forgot mine at home. And in front of the throne, there was pavement like a crystal sea of glass around the throne. And on each side stood four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature resembled a lion, the second an ox. The third had a human face and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of the four living creatures had six wings full of eyes all around and under their wings. And they worshiped without ceasing day and night, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one who is enthroned and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrendered their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your plan they were created and existed. Man, the thing that moves me so much about this, unless you know something I don't know, in all the Bible, this is the only recorded song of heaven. Like, this is the only one. Like, we hear all of David's psalms and all these things, and I know they were spirit-inspired, but this is the only one, so it's got to be significant. You know what I mean? This is the model for worship in the church. This is the model um, and a reminder of what declarations, even if it's over and over again, the power of it. For this to be the only song that the Lord was like, I'm going to give my kids this, this is, I'm going to give them a little glimpse into what a song from heaven sounds like. I mean, come on. I love it. Brian Simmons footnote says this because um, it talks about how the eyes are in front and behind. Brian Simmons says that the eyes in the front and back of the creatures was to see different realms into the past and in the future. So I'm like, what a beautiful picture of worshiping Jesus for what he did and what's to come. Like, I feel like it's just another beautiful example of how we, how we are to worship. We thank him for what he's done, and we thank him for what's to come. Man, they declare this, tru- this truth nonstop, day and night, night and day. And the response is that they see a new side of the face of Jesus that causes them to want more. They're not forced to be there. The elders aren't forced to be on their faces. They choose it. It's their job. They love it. And, man, I think it was Corey Russell. I don't know if you've ever heard Corey Russell's teaching on Revelation 4. It's crazy. But one of the things that he says, which is so cool, is he believes that the elders, they bow, they raise their heads, they bow, they raise their heads, they sing holy, holy. And he's convinced that they go back down because when they pick their heads up, they're like, wah, and they see something, and they have to go down and see something else. Then they come back up, and they're like, ah. 
And then they go back down. And then they're like, oh, my God. And then they go back down. Like, I just think that's cool. I mean, it can't be anything else that would make some something do worship something for eternity unless they're seeing something crazy. You know what I mean? To choose to be there. So I'm just like, oh, man, Lord, let us have that passion and let us see Jesus like this to where we constantly want more. Like I said, our daily lives are a constant longing of just seeing Jesus's face and seeing what he's going to do next and seeing a new side of his glory and what he's going to do, the next truth that he's going to reveal. Like, oh, man, I just think that's so cool. So Revelation 4 to me, just to start everything off, is a beautiful picture of worship, I think what worship should look like on the earth and the model for it and a reminder of our royal priesthood, our bloodline, and that we can come to the presence just like this, no matter what, no matter what's going on, what we've done, what things look like. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's just a beautiful invitation, um, a beautiful reminder of our access to the throne. But um, yeah, so that was that um, apostolic worship. Okay, this is my definition of apostolic worship. It functions from heaven to earth and carries the authority of God. I believe that this is us singing with the Father, while priestly worship gives place for personal devotion and it is us singing to the Father. Apostolic worship is us singing with the Father. Priestly is singing too. Priestly is absolutely what you see more in the church now. It's very devotional. It's uh, Jesus, you're beautiful. You know, you're you're worthy. You're this. You're that. Apostolic worship is um, like the blessing. May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations. You know what I mean? It's it's a declaring. It's it's prophecy. It's declaring something. Um, to be manifested it could be sung over a city it could be sung over a family you know what I'm saying so it's not necessarily um, it's all ministering to the Lord but for the sake of better language not necessarily ministering to the Lord but it's kind of singing with the Lord and grabbing the song of heaven and releasing it whether it's prophetically or a song like the blessing you know what I'm saying so does that make sense Um, an article that I read once describes apostolic worship like this I thought it was cool apostolic worship is the song, I said this earlier, apostolic worship is the song of the sent church. An apostle is one who is sent. Apostolic worship is the song of the sent. Um, as an apostolic house here, we kind of tap into both. Like I said, we are an apostolic house, just given what our mission is and all of that. Um, we do obviously, you know, hit both sides, but at the core of it, we are an apostolic church. We're an apostolic, we're an apostle led church. So naturally that's what it's going to be. Um, and I love that we do that. Um, a couple examples of even just an understanding of priestly and apostolic worship, like, um, the alabaster jar, like that's kind of an example of priestly worship. It was devotion. It was an adoration. It was a gift she was giving to the Lord. Paul and Silas is a uh, an example of apostolic worship. They worshiped, they sang, their chains broke. Everybody else's chains broke, and I think the guard got saved, right? Um, so, I mean, it did something for more than just them and the Father. Apostolic was a sent song that did something to the whole atmosphere around them. You have, you're able to sing apostolic songs in your home. 
Like this isn't just for church. Like you can release apostolic worship, decrees, apostolic intercession. You can do all of those things in your home, over your family, over your city. It's not just, I don't want anything to just be bound just to worship. So um, in case you're not, you know, a singer or whatever. Um, Culture can be set by the way we worship. So there's something about tapping into both apostolic and priestly. There's something that is accomplished in the spirit through apostolic worship that can't be accomplished through devotional priestly worship and vice versa. Um, I, uh, so if you read, I'm going to read, um, so like, I'm going to read a couple of the Psalms so you can hear even the difference in ones that are priestly and ones that are apostolic. So here's Psalm 2, 7 through 9. And you tell me if you can tell what kind it is. I will reveal the eternal purpose of God, for he has decreed over me, you are my favored son, and as your father, I have crowned you as my eternal king. Today, I become your father. Ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it. And they shall become your legacy. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth, and you will shepherd them with unlimited authority, crushing their rebellion as an iron rod smashes jars of clay. Does that sound like apostolic or priestly? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I think it's so cool just how, how David tapped into both. Um, here's another one. Uh, Psalm 7, 6 through 7. Here's another one. Now, Lord, let your anger rise against the uh, let your let your anger rise against the anger of my enemies. Awaken your fury and stand up for me. Decree that justice be done against my foes. Gather all the people around you. Return to your place on high to preside over them and once more occupy the throne of judgment. Another apostolic worship. Um, and hear the difference. Psalm 18, 1 through 2. Lord, I passionately love you, and I'm bonded to you. I want to embrace you, for now you've become my power. You're as real to me as the bedrock beneath my feet, like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where none can reach me, my secret strength and shield around me. You are salvation's ray of brightness shining on the hillside. That's full-on devotion, priestly worship that David was doing. And I think I love that the Psalms, it's, it's just another, puts another nail on the head of the importance of the two and how you'll find yourself in different seasons within each one. Apostolic worship releases heaven's perspective. Heaven is active, so our worship should be active. Apostolic worship releases heaven's perspective. That's so good. Everything happening in earth, or everything happening in heaven, should be declared over our cities and the earth. Um, just like I had said, um, earlier when I was talking about the stuff that I used to do when I was traveling, catching the sound of heaven, catching the word of heaven for that region and for that city, everything that is happening in heaven needs to be, needs to be declared on the earth. If the Lord is giving you something or has shown you things for different 
for families, for cities, for your own families, for a region, for our nation, for our state. I think it's, um, it's our duty and our job to release it, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through intercession or whether it's through intercession, whether it's through worship, however that is, I feel that as the royal priesthood and as having this authority that we carry, how dare us not release that. If the Lord is giving us something and showing us something from heaven that could bring freedom and breakthrough to so many around us. And even if you don't see it, just releasing it into the atmosphere, how dare we not declare it? And how dare we feel fearful or that we don't have a voice or that people don't trust us or that just all these things that try to come against whatever there's ways for you to declare what is happening in heaven into the earth. So I just pray that if you've caught that and if there's things that the Lord has shown you or has spoken to you over a specific group or over your family, over a loved one, over that you would declare, you would take hold of those things and you would boldly declare them and that anything from the past or anything that has told you you're wrong or I don't trust you or I don't trust that you hear the Lord and all this whatever, man, you hear the Lord. Catch the word from heaven. Catch the song from heaven. Catch, catch the prayer and begin to release it and declare it over the city. We don't focus on principalities, but we speak out and we sing out the truth. I've gone to churches before when I used to travel and I would go and like the pastors or whatever, they come to me and they'd be like, hey, sister Gigi, like there's such a strong spirit of witchcraft in this region. You know what I mean? Like the first thing they'd say, nothing else. Just when you're leading worship, you may want to address that Jezebel, like it was always like something that Jezebel spirit or there's a blah, 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 or there's just been a lot of um, division in the churches in this region. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, man, like, how about we speak out the opposite and we sing the truth? And instead of coming and saying there's a strong spirit of witchcraft, say, hey, let's come in here and let's just declare the power and the freedom of Christ over our region. Like, I want you just to grab heaven and I want you to sing this and sing that like there's there's. It's so easy for so many churches and people to to focus on the principality and focus on the stronghold when apostolic worship focuses on the victory, declares the victory, sings out the victory, grabs the word from heaven and the truth from heaven and just bam, like fire. And it's like once the word is once the Lord breathes on that thing, nothing can stop it. So like I kind of laugh when people do that now and it's you know, it's what it is. But in worship. If you're ever worshiping with me, we will not focus on a principality, but we will address it. We will see it and we will sing the truth and we will sing the opposite. And I pray that you do that. If you're seeing something in your life, if you're seeing a, a fear or something that's manifesting, you know, whether it's in your family or your kids or your spouse or your friends or whatever, that instead of focusing on the principality and the stronghold that you just begin to declare life and you sing that over them or you pray that over them and you capture the opposite, capture the truth and release that. And I, man, just, I believe that the chains, every, all that junk will break and it'll fall off. And if you've done it before, keep going. If you haven't seen it work yet, keep going. Don't give up, man. The truth, God, his timing is perfect, even when we don't understand it. Why he moves the way he does, I don't know. Why he moves quick and sometimes and not so much on the others, I have no idea. But I don't think it's our job to know. It's just our job to trust and believe the truth of his word, that he is who he says who he is, that we have authority 
that there's life and death in the power of our tongue, that we can just continually declare these things, and we have to believe. Like, we have to, and I think that's the beauty of hope. Of people that are hopeless, they have nothing to look forward to. They have nothing, you know, they, they don't believe in anything. They're hopeless. We have Christ, the hope of glory. We have Christ, our, our hope, who resurrects things, who heals, who delivers, who saves. And I'm just so thankful that we have something to hope in. Even when things feel hopeless, we don't have to. We're not hopeless. It might feel hopeless, but we're not hopeless. Thank God. Um, I don't know any psalm, even in the Bible, like I was going, like when I've read through psalms and even like the worst ones, the ones like where David's like, oh, God, rescue me from all of my whatever and everything's attacking me. It always Every psalm, again, if you find one, tell me, but every psalm ends with thanksgiving. It ends with hope. He might start off saying all his mess, which is okay, and that's what I think we should do. Bring your stuff to the Lord. I've had really real prayers with the Lord and cries with the Lord, and like, you know, why the heck? Like, what's going on? You said this. Why is this happening? You know what I mean? But at the end of it, is your song ending, is your prayer ending with hope and thankfulness and remembering God, even though I know this, even though this is happening, I believe this and I trust it because I've seen you do it before. I've seen you move in my life and I've seen you move in the lives of so many others. There's victory in your song of truth, releasing the truth of the hope of Jesus. Um, there, um, I said there, there was a season in my life where a lot of my worship was coming from a place of striving and coming from a place of where I just constantly felt like I was fighting, even in my worship. Like I remember I would lead worship and I would just feel like drained after and just like ready to go to bed and just tired. I'm like, I shouldn't feel like that. I should feel like Everybody else in the room, they're like, man, I just feel so stirred up. And I'm like, I would be done with worship and I would just feel like crap. And I'm like tired and wore out and just like, man, like I had just been in an army or whatever. And I'm like, there was just always this striving. And I got to a point to where I was just in this like warrior warfare worship that I didn't even know what I was even fighting anymore, to be honest. Like, it was just what I did, even especially in traveling and going to other churches and doing all these things. I felt like I got to a place in the beginning where I was constantly fighting the war of the city and constantly feeling like I was having to do this or having to do that. There's a fight. There's, I feel like there's a fight in worship that can come from a place of trying to prove something or it can come from a place of knowing something. When I got to a place of not having to prove the authority and the victory of God. But I came and started worshiping from a knowing that he's vic- he is victorious and that he is good and that he is faithful and that he'll knock down every stronghold that's in the city. He'll knock off this addiction from my family. He'll do this. He'll do that. I was so much trying to worship to gain this favor from the Lord. If I worship hard enough, if I do this, if I do that, always trying to prove something or prove the authority of God. He doesn't need me to prove anything for him. He doesn't need us to prove anything. He's doing just fine. And I'm like, but it was a knowing that I was forgetting. 
And I, it's very easy to tie when you see something happening, especially, and I think it's a way that the devil can pervert things is when I worshiped like this and Gigi that night I saw breakthrough. Like, it's not because you worshiped like that. It's because God's good. It's because God is good. I've seen God move in the hearts of people that were broken and had no worship in them, no nothing, and they're on the floor crying, and God moved. It wasn't because of how loud you were. It wasn't because of this. It's because God is good. I think the worship in those moments, I feel like, if anything, kind of helps us shake stuff off. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes we need to. Sometimes we've, Cassie says, we're just like, sometimes I just need to dance. I just need to be crazy, and I just need to just because I have to, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's not even that it's necessarily all for you, but it can be a little bit, and that's okay. That is okay. Sometimes I shout from the mic, not to get you guys to shout, but because I need to shake something off or because I'm feeling type, some type of way. Everybody shout. He's faithful. It's not so I can hear you. Sometimes I need to say it for myself. <laughs> And that's okay. It's just reminding and it's remembering that there is victory in the song of truth. (laughs) Oh, man. So uh, just the scripture proves, the scripture proves how good he is. I just need to believe it and know it. Don't make declarations in worship because you're trying to win a battle. Make the declarations because you know who already won. In 2 Chronicles 20, um, King Jehoshaphat was leading the people of Judah into a battle and with singing. And I love this story just because it talks about how their song and their singing confused the enemy and caused them to start fighting themselves and each other and killing themselves and killing each other. Like this ambush came from the sound of Judah, from the sound of praise, As they released their declaration, it confused the enemy. Man, sometimes I think I do that sometimes when I'm up on stage and if I want everybody to shout just because there's something funky in the room. And maybe if we all shout together, we can scare whatever this thing is. (laughs) We can confuse whatever this thing is. Or even if there's people dealing with confusion in the room, I love to get everybody to shout because I'm going to confuse this confusion and tell it to go. You know what I'm saying? There's a power in the sound of your praise. They ended up singing out uh, Judah when they went into the battle and they were releasing the declaration. They said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. They declared that truth over and over. That's all they said over and over, over the territory. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. They released the song of heaven, the victory song of heaven into the earth. They sang a victory song with the Lord, and they sang out the promise of the Lord, and the enemy didn't stand a chance. Release your song, release your declaration, release your praise, and it will confuse the enemy. It's right here. It's a promise. When you are releasing apostolic worship, you are declaring a sent song of heaven into the atmosphere over your family. You can do it over your state and over the nation. Apostolic worship, I'm going to try to read this right because the Lord gave us to me and it's so hard to say. Um, let me see what time it is. Okay. All right. The Lord was telling me this. Apostolic worship 
is a celebratory governing sound that sings the sovereign authority of Jesus. When I was thinking about that, even with the, with the, um, with the battle when Judah went out and Jehoshaphat sent them, like, this is a celebratory song. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Ap- that is apostolic worship. It is a celebratory governing sound because it's coming in and saying, I'm about to take over this land that the Lord promised me. And it sings the sovereign authority of Jesus, the authority of Jesus backing up every word that I sing, every, every prayer, every song, to have the backing of the authority of Jesus, guys. I mean, come on. These aren't just songs. These aren't just words we sing. You literally have the authority of Jesus coming out of your mouth in every breath when you worship. Not just because I'm up on the mic, I don't have extra authority We all have it. We all have it. If you're singing in the back of the room, if you're working in one of the classes and are singing a song with the kids, if whatever it is that you're doing, if you're singing in your car, you have the authority of Jesus backing up your song. It's not just a word. It's not just you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. Holy Spirit is breathing life on every word. It doesn't travel just as far as your breath goes. It is going and it is releasing something in the atmosphere that we don't even know. We can't even comprehend. We can't even see. Songs that you've sang maybe a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, them things are still floating and releasing victory. The Father's breath doesn't end, so he is carrying your song generations. If you're releasing a song to your kids, that song is going to go to your kids' kids, your kids' kids' kids. Your kids. It's going to go on for generations. The breath of the Lord, the life of God, the power of God doesn't stop here when I release a breath. It goes and it goes and it goes. There is justice in apostolic worship. There is truth in apostolic worship. There is prophecy in apostolic worship. There is freedom in apostolic worship. And apostolic worship is spirit-filled You want to see the justice of God in your city? You want to see the justice of God in your life? Begin to release and decree. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Begin to pull an apostolic scripture, a psalm in here, and begin declaring it. You want to see the truth of the apostolic worship begin to manifest in your life? You want prophecy to begin to flow in a new way? Begin to catch the apostolic worship song from heaven and begin to release that thing and I believe he's going to take it to another level there's something that is on um, frequency there's something that is on music there's something that is on sound that captivates not just people like in the natural but it does something man it does something in an atmosphere if you can think of a song there's songs I can remember from when I was a kid and I I can hear a song and it take me right back to that moment I can hear a 90s R&B love song, and it'll take me right back there to that crush I had when I was in eighth grade. You know what I mean? Like, that is the power of music, of song. So even if you're not a singer, sing, 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 sing with a track, write down something, write down a poem, hum it. There's something that happens, and I believe a lot of it is tied into from the beginning, you know, of just Lucifer being worship. You know what I mean? There's, there's a connection. There's, there's something there that the enemy would try to make you not want to sing and say, you ain't a singer, so you shouldn't sing. No. Sing your song to the Lord. Make a joyful noise. Release this prophetic, this prophetic truth that is in here. Thank him for what's from the past. Thank him for what's to come. 
There's justice in this worship. There's truth revealed in this worship. Prophecy is in this. Freedom is in this. Apostolic worship is spirit-filled. Without the spirit, you will not get very far. Philippians 3.3 says, We worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, so we must worship in spirit and in truth. As we worship in the spirit, we will begin to become aware of his breakthrough presence and also identify the presence as a person. God is spirit. As we worship in spirit, there'll start to be like a connection. There's like an awareness of understanding that the presence of God isn't just a feeling. It isn't just a mist. It isn't just a fog. It isn't just, it is a person. The presence of Jesus, the presence is Jesus. The presence is Holy Spirit. The presence is a person. The presence is a person with eyes like fire. The presence is a person that is aware of every detail of our lives. The presence is a person who has his eyes over our city and our nation, who speaks to us and gives us beautiful and timely words that we need. The presence is a person. We start worship with the Holy Spirit's presence. Jeremy Riddle says that the presence of the Holy Spirit is the starting point, not the destination. I think that is so good. Sometimes we try to like, oh man, you know, you might have a time like, I just felt like, I understand, like, I've, I've totally believed, like, you can feel a shift in a room, you can feel all of those things, but I think it's when there's a waiting for, I'm, I'm waiting for this specific presence. It's like, no, we start with it. We start with engaging. We start with going, it's, um, Paul says in scripture, I don't remember where it's at, but he says that we, um, we keep in step with the spirit, meaning he's there from the beginning, right there, Holy Spirit. We're going to go this way, right there, Holy Spirit. We're not running over there and waiting till we get to the presence to manifest and we feel the goosebump and we feel this and we feel that. Each step with the Holy Spirit. We must be spirit-filled and spirit-led in our worship. So I just, I just pray, um, that's pretty much it for me. I, I just pray that you would ask the Holy Spirit how you can in a new way tap into apostolic worship. And like I said, the uh, priestly worship's very familiar. And it's very easy, and I love it. I love to soak with the Lord, and I love to, a lot of what we did in the beginning was priestly worship, and it's, I love it. It's my jam. But I think that there's something that the Lord is calling us into, even now in this time, um, where there's an authority that the Lord is, like, kind of um, imparting something fresh, a fresh authority over our prayers, over our intercession, over our prophetic words, over our giftings, um, apostolic and apostle, it's part of the fivefold. So it's, there's something happening with worship that is going to, um, allow us, there's like a completion of it with it in, in regards to the fivefold and tapping into all the giftings in each individual person. So I believe if we partner with this and learn how to worship apostolically and making those decrees and, and declaring those things, that I think it's going to really stir up the the fivefold gifting. I don't know what your giftings are. Everybody has one. You know what I mean? Everybody has something. You have a gifting. Whether you're a teacher, an evangelist, a prophet, you know, pastor, whatever. Everybody has a gifting. And I believe when we tap into this with being part of it, I feel like it's a completion of it. And it will allow you to kind of step up to a new level of authority um, 
in your worship and in decreeing things, not only over your life, because it's not just about us. There's a whole city that needs to be set free. So grab the word from heaven, grab the song from heaven, grab the truth from heaven, and just begin declaring that thing. Yell it out your freaking car, whatever it is, man. Like, take hold of it and do it. Do it by yourself. Do it with somebody. Do it with your family. Do it with your kids. Begin to decree the governing sovereignty of the Lord and the victory of Jesus. Um, And I believe that that's going to change our lives. It's going to change our city. And there's a unified sound um, that can happen. It's, It's easy for us to sing something, to declare something unified, and they're usually through a song versus just everyone shout amen. Like, that's cool. But when we sing it together... And when we sing he's worthy together and we do these things, like, come on, like, there's something, there's something strong on that that's way better than just a shout, right? Like, if you've been in a worship set, there's something to everybody singing, all hail King Jesus, singing it together. The kids, the grown, the adults, the men, the women, everybody singing it together versus just saying it. So um, I'm just here just to encourage you. Just I love worship. And I love Jesus, and my heart would be that you would just tap into another place and worship and um, understanding your authority. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for me, guys. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, it's a clap. <laughs> I don't, does anybody have any, like, I don't know if I can really answer a lot of questions. Anybody have any questions? If I don't know, I'll get back to you. But, yeah, everybody good? This will be on um, the podcast, on the Resting Place podcast. So if, um, if you want to go back and hear it or if you never want to hear it again, that's fine too. But um, let me just pray. Um, you know what I would love to do since we have just a few minutes? Um, can we just like partner up? Don't, come with, don't partner with somebody you came with if you can't, if you can help it. But let's partner up and just pray real quick for each other. If you don't mind, like just find somebody to pray with. If you don't mind being with somebody that you either don't know or didn't like didn't come with and pray together. I think there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight. So yeah, there's enough for everybody to do. Are you wanna do it together? Okay, that's fine. And then Jess and you guys, you three can go together. That's fine. So um Yeah. If you don't want to touch, that's fine. But just begin to, um, I would just love just, I'm going to pray out loud as well. And I just want you to begin. If you get a word for them or whatever for each other, please release it. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com.